0: The black uniforms were kind of cool. There. I did. I found a compliment. But we're talking about everything else that went wrong Monday night on the Brandon Contis Jets podcast. Right now. Contis. I am a Contis. You better like me. I'm from Patchogue. All righty. Nice job with the free music, YouTube. You're listening to the Brandon Contis Jets podcast on SV Nation. Episode 5 of my first ever sports podcast. We'll keep it simple. We'll keep it short. Never more than 20 minutes. And if I have more to say... I'll just put it in another podcast. I think last night's loss against the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football, 23-3 in prime time, I think it took care of anybody that had the sentiment of last week's panic being overreaction. It confirmed that it was the proper reaction. Look, it's just two weeks. I get it. It's just two games. It's early. Absolutely. But in those two weeks, we've watched the season spiral out of control. And I didn't walk away from that game last night saying that the Cleveland Browns were great or Baker Mayfield was great. I just came away from the game saying that the Jets are a really bad football team. And, and I, I, I don't think, if, you're, if you've been watching these games, I don't even think that the most optimistic of Jet fans could argue with that right now. You look at this roster, C.J. Mosley's out, Quinton Williams is out, they're on their fourth kicker of the year, their third string quarterback already. This is after week two. You know, these sound like comments that you would say after a loss in December to be 3-11 and 11 on the season. And I get that this is not how it was drawn up by the Jets. Look, I had a more optimistic approach for this season. I thought they could compete for a playoff spot. I thought that they could be 8-8 eight and eight and potentially 9-7 and seven in it if, if things broke right for this team. But the reality is right now after two weeks, this is a bad football team. Again, the offensive line was bad. Miles Garrett just had his way with Kelvin Beecham. He, he had his way with the entire Jets offensive line. Olivier Vernon was in the backfield plenty. And look, I, I don't want to beat a guy while he's down. Obviously, you hope the best for Trevor, Trevor Simeon in terms of getting healthy. But my God, Simeon was awful before he got hurt. It was three and out after three and out. He couldn't help the defense get off the field. And the Jets offense looked absolutely inept while he was in the game. They actually looked a little bit more competent with their third stringer in the game, which is crazy to say. But look, at sixteen to three at halftime, this game was over. A third string quarterback, Luke Falk, is not bringing an average to a below average team back from down two scores. And we look across town, and everybody's complaining about Eli Manning and his inability to to bring the Giants back once they once they fall down by a couple of scores. Luke Falk's certainly not going to do it for the the New York Jets in his first start ever. At 16-3, the game was over. And if you're a bad team, if you're a below-average team suffering from severe injury problems, there's a a couple of things you need to do. First of all, you you have to have good offensive line play. You have to be able to protect a young quarterback, a third-string quarterback, give him a little bit of time, and be able to especially establish a running game with Le'Veon Bell. The field position game. You need to be able to win the field position game early on. The Jets could not get out of their own way on specials. If they're going to beat a team that with more talent than them, they need to do it by first winning the field position. You're watching these booming punts from Lachlan Edwards, and then it's 18-yard return. It's a 9-yard return, 19-yard return. They couldn't get anybody down the field fast enough to capitalize on some of these big punts. The nonstop three and outs, you had got to be able to give your defense a little bit of a break. The defense was constantly on the field in the first half. Even at 6 nothing early on against the Browns, you were just waiting for something to break, waiting for the floodgates to open and the Browns to be able to put points on the board consistently. At 6 nothing, it did not feel like a close game thanks to the ineptitude of the Jets' offense. The big plays for the Browns, they started coming. You know, the, the Jets were able to keep them contained early. But by the end of the half, they gave up three 20-yard pass plays and one yarder So again, the secondary, mostly the cornerback, showed off their flaws for the New York Jets. Odell Beckham Jr. torched this team. And I'd say that 89-yard slant catch for a touchdown in the second half was probably the most explosive Odell Beckham Jr. we've seen in two years. But still, you know, as great as Odell is, there's just there's always something with him. There's always something annoying that he's going to end up doing. And even you had that great one-handed catch in the first quarter, maybe the the best catch that you're probably going to see in the NFL this season from Odell Beckham Jr. from any wide receiver. And they're at the goal line. But Odell is on the sideline. And why? Because he had something wrong with his visor. Something that the refs told him he had to go fix. But but last week, it's the watch. This week, it's something with his visor. So he's he's not in there when they're trying to score a touchdown at the goal line. And instead, they have to settle for a field goal. They're just, there's, there always has to be some sort of issue with Odell Beckham Jr. And it would just drive me crazy if I was a fan of one of his teams. And it's probably what's going to end up wearing his welcome out with the Cleveland Browns, just like he did with the New York Giants. And in a couple of years, he'll pr- probably be on to his third team. But... You can't take away from the fact that he is just an absolutely incredible talent. And when you do watch his games, you're going to walk away from there just saying wow at, at some point. You're going to say wow because you can't believe he's on the sideline at some point or wow because you can't believe of one of the antics he, he had. But you're also going to say wow for some of the catches that he makes. But it just seems every time there's something wrong with Odell, it always it, he thinks it's somebody else's fault. He's an incredible talent. He's a charitable. He's a seemingly good dude. But that doesn't mean the attention he brings on himself is, is ever good for the team. You know what, let's do this actually. Let so much of these podcasts have been negative about the New York Jets so far this season. I want to give some positive takeaways from last night. Some positive things that happened to the New York Jets in a twenty three to three embarrassing loss to the Cleveland Browns on Monday night. So let's take a quick commercial break and we'll come back with some positive things. All right. We're back after this. All right, and we're back with the Brandon Contest Jets podcast for SB Nation and like I said, a, a couple of positive takeaways from the Jets' 23-3 to loss to the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football. and One of the things I wanted to, to point out is sometimes when you don't hear a cornerback's name, it's a good thing. It means that they're not giving up any big plays. It means maybe they're not being challenged because the quarterbacks don't want to throw in their direction because the wide receivers are always, always covered. We saw that a lot when Darrell Revis was in his prime with the Jets. You know, It was rare that... The opposition was going to challenge him, so you might go through a game where you barely even heard about Darrell Rivas. You might not have heard him mention on the broadcast because the ball is just never going his way. And last night, when I'm watching the Monday Night Football game, I never heard Tremaine Johnson's name. As bad as Tremaine Johnson was last year, as bad as he was in Week 1, his inability to live up to the contract, his inability to bring any sort of stability to the Jets' cornerback situation, Tremaine Johnson, we never heard from him last year, so he must have had a good game. Wait, wait, wait a second! What do you mean, Tremaine Johnson didn't play? Was he injured? No. Was he suspended? No. Was he not there? No. He he was on the sideline. Was he not in uniform? No. He he was in uniform. Didn't they pay this guy seventy-two million dollars? They have forty-five million dollars guaranteed. Where was he? And why wasn't he playing? Aren't we owed owed some answers? And this is what Tremaine Johnson had to say at the end of the game. My main focus was winning the game, if I was out there or not. Uh, but we lost. That's the main focus right now. Is it disheartening when you see, I mean, Odell had a pretty big game tonight. Did you ever think, like, man, if I was out there, I'd be able to kind of contain him a little bit more? He's a good receiver. I mean, they get paid, too. He made some plays, uh you know, that's what I get paid for. Look, Tremaine Johnson has been an awful signing for the New York Jets. He, he's been terrible when he's out on the field, and he hasn't even been out on the field all that much. But, as fans, I want answers. I want to know why he was not playing, and I want to know if he's going to be playing next week. But to have this game on and and realize that Tremaine Johnson is not playing with no explanation and he just comes in with three minutes left at a blowout loss, we're going to need a little bit more information than that. But seriously, here's an actual positive from last night's game. Can he solve the Jets' kicking problems? And listen to the roar. They finally got what they want for Gang green. A Jets kicker actually making a field goal. Sam Ficken drawing an eruption. From the Jets crowd after he scores three points for New York Jets. The only source of offense for the Jets in this game. Making it now 11 points that the Jets offense has scored so far this year in eight quarters of play. 11 points. Another actual positive, Jamal Adams. He is so likable. You you just, you hope that he stays healthy and plays here for. Another decade because he looks like a future Hall of Famer. I didn't even have problems with the the penalties he committed. The, the hit on Odell Beckham Jr., which could have been called a penalty penalty, it could have been a spearheading penalty, but and that came after he just had a roughing the passer penalty. But Adams seemed he seemed so amped up. And especially playing for his coach, Greg Williams, and wanting to send Odell Beckham Jr., who's a friend of his, but wanting to send him a message after there was the, the back and forth between Williams and Beckham during the week. But it was just a, a message which he loved. You love to see him going out and playing hard, even when the team is getting beat. You could count on Jamal Adams to play through the whistle every single down, and it's uh, it's refreshing to watch. But then you still get the immature side of Jamal Adams, who went ahead and scrubbed his social media platforms of anything Jet-related today following the loss against the Browns last night. And for, for what reason? Look, we we get you're frustrated. I'm, I'm sure you're frustrated with the way the team's performing this year. You're frustrated with the way the team performed last year and frustrated with the, the front office, perhaps, and maybe the coaching. Who knows? I'm frustrated as a Jet fan as well. But the bottom line is, is what good is that going to do? to get rid of, to erase all- anything jet related from your, your Twitter bio or your Instagram bio. What, what good is that going to do other than bring some sort of negative attention and, and have some sort of questions that you need to answer now because you know the media is going to ask about it because it's a big thing. If you erase that from Twitter, if you erase that from Instagram, millions of people notice it. It's not like it's going to go unnoticed and just get, get bypassed and ignored. If you did it, you did it for a reason. You did it because you wanted to bring that attention on yourself. Why? Are, are you saying you want the Jets to trade you? Are you saying you no longer want to be a New York Jet? Or are you just trying to exp- express frustration in some some manner. And when you were asked about it on WFAN today with Maggie and Bart, your response was that you were just trying to erase some of the noise, erase the noise. That's breaking the noise. That's bringing the chaos and bringing all these questions right onto to yourself. And the only takeaway that I that I could get from it is not that you're just trying to erase the noise. It's that you don't want to be a New York jet. And maybe that's true. And it would be an absolute shame if the New York Jets can't keep you here for a decade because you have the potential to be a great player for a very, very long time. And as a Jet fan, I'd love to see it. But doing something like that after a bad loss two weeks into the season, it's something that Odell Beckham Jr. would do. It shows some sort, some type of immaturity. And it's something that the fans would do. It's an overreaction that is okay from a fan perspective. It's not okay from a player perspective. How about Le'Veon? Le'Veon Bell, who has that stigma of immaturity that Jamal Adams showed after the loss on Monday night, but Le'Veon Bell out there playing hard, out there playing through the whistle, out there trying to put the offense on his back even when the team is down by multiple scores. Le'Veon, who I think too often gets wrongly associated with Antonio Brown and and players like that because he sat out last season in an attempt to change the way the NFL players are, are paid, which it, it didn't end up really working, although he tells you it did. I don't believe him. But in terms of questioning his effort on the field, it, does, it doesn't deserve to be questioned. Because last night was the perfect opportunity for Le'Veon Bell to, to take plays off, and it didn't happen. And it makes me think it's not going to happen with Le'Veon Bell. And I'll kick off my Adam Gase comments from Week 2 with a compliment. We saw Gase get aggressive on a third down late in this game. He didn't do it last week. He didn't do it most of last night. But he did it on this one play. And historically, he's not known as a coach who gets aggressive on third down, which is somewhat surprising and confusing for a coach known as an offensive guru. But third and two from the 12, down 16-3 late in this game. Gase has Falk launch one into the back of the end zone, which was shocking. A coach that's been ultra-conservative finally broke out. Unfortunately, he did it at the wrong time. Because he was going for it on fourth down anyway. If you're going for it on fourth down, you need two yards you have two downs to do it, run it with Le'Veon Bell. Instead, he went with two pass plays, which, again, it just it didn't make any sense. The one time that you don't want him to get aggressive, he goes and he does it. You have a third-string quarterback, a young quarterback, you need two yards, you have an elite running back, you have two downs to work with, and let's throw the ball? It just it, it, it didn't make any sense. They turned the ball over on downs, and then the next play was that 89-yard touchdown to uh, to OBJ. Boom. Good night. Shut the TV. Call Colin Kaepernick in the morning. I don't care who was playing quarterback. Adam Gase has so far proven to be an incompetent head coach. And his resume his resume is built off of sitting next to Peyton Manning in Denver for a couple of years. Outside of that, at this time in, in his career, Gase's resume is empty. And it's, it's really not worthy of being a head coach. We're going off the fact that we're told Adam Gase is a great offensive head coach. But in terms of the results, we have not seen it anywhere. And again, I know last night you're with a third-string quarterback, so it's hard to just demand results, but in the first half this team, from, again, a guy that's known as an offensive genius, the Jets were outgained 199 yards to 45. 0 for 6 on third downs, 8 penalties, all in the first half of this uninspired loss from the New York Jets. The Jets offense has produced 11 points in eight quarters, and this is an offensive guru. If this is indeed an offensive guru, it is a fireable offense, the way the Jets have performed in the first two games of this season. And look, that that goes back to my Le'Veon Bell compliment, because this guy could have quit yesterday. If he was who his critics said he is, he would have quit. And we'll just, we'll end on this, because here's the biggest problem with the New York Jets right now at, at 0-2. Adam Gase has a built-in excuse. He has a built-in excuse if the team is bad, a built-in excuse to keep his job, has a built-in excuse if the team is bad to not even be on the hot seat. He has a built-in excuse if the team is bad to make major changes because of all the injuries that have taken place. Realistically, where where do they go going forward? Luke Falk is going to start next week in New England. Best-case scenario now for Sam Darnold is, is a Week 5 return. That is the best-case scenario, but what happens if it's Week 7? You know, what happens if it's Week 7 and they are 0-6? A legitimate possibility. Do they keep Le'Veon Bell through the trade deadline? Do they go for the top pick? Do they even bother putting Sam Darnold in? I mean, I would hope so because I want to see him develop as a quarterback, whether they're they're zero two or whether they're zero ten or whether they're five and five. The biggest thing that the Jets need to do is is see what they have in. Sam Darnold, but if they are 0-6, and who knows how this head coach really feels about Sam Darnold, so if he sees that he has that built-in excuse, and if he sees that, you know what, I I didn't bring Darnold in here, at that point, does he try to just go 2-14 and and, and draft Tua in the offseason? We know he didn't really want Le'Veon Bell here, so does Le'Veon Bell make it past the trade deadline if this team is 0-6? What looked like a franchise during the offseason that was creating some sort of stability after they made the general manager change and brought in Joe Douglas and looked like you're going to go forward with Douglas and Gase and develop Sam Darnold Darnold as your quarterback and look to improve this offensive line and improve on the playmakers on this roster. What looked like a team that was headed for stability is now anything but two weeks into the season. And do we really need to hear Booger McFarlane and Joe Tessitore giggling about the Jets' task next week, going up to Foxborough playing against the New England Patriots at at the end of this game? And I like the duo. I, I like the two of them. I do. I, I like them probably more than, than most people do. And maybe it's it's coming off of listening to how bad the Sunday Night Baseball ESPN crew was the night before. Or or maybe it's because of how bad they were with Jason Witten last year and the Booger Mobile. But I, I do. I think the, the booth has potential with the two of them. And while Booger is no John Gruden, let's talk about this guy. I'll tell you what, man. I love this guy. This guy, this Luke Falk, I'd love to get him in the quarterback room, man. We'd see eye to eye. I certainly think that the uh, the two of them are, are better than what the public perceives them to be. But we won't have to worry about that next Sunday against the New England Patriots. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Contest Jets podcast on SB Nation. Stay tuned for more episodes, and as always, big up!